The tool starts with intentionality. It starts with decision. It says, okay, Kevin, you know, so, so you know, what, what's, your, what's your future look like five, 10 years from now? What, what's really going to excite you? What pulls you forward? What, com- what commitments can you make today? And then, you know, what are um, the, the, the things that we can teach you that will help you make those things real? How do we make those visions come to life? You are listening to The Real Leaders Podcast, where today impacts tomorrow, visions come to life, and leaders keep it real. That statement was from Joe Hart, the CEO of Dale Carnegie, who shares why an 86-year-old book is still relevant today, how a person's awareness and intention can be the key difference maker in their life, and what the cost is of inauthentic leadership. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the real Joe Hart. Enjoy. Okay, and we'll get started here. Here we go. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this special episode of the Releaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is the CEO of Dale Carnegie Training, Mr. Joseph K. Hart. Joe, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Kevin. Good to see you. Well, it's great to have uh, someone from Dale Carnegie on the show today, as Dale Carnegie is one of the most respected names in all of leadership. And for our listeners out there, I'm sure they've heard of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But if they're not one of the 15 million people who have picked up a copy, what can you tell them about the book and how, and, and basically where were you beforehand and how has it transformed your life after? Sure. Well, just a little bit of background on the book. Um, it's it's interesting because this book is over 80 years old and it's been a bestseller for over 80 years. And so you know, we, we ask ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, how can a book be a bestseller for that long? And it really is that Dale Carnegie was a pioneer. He, he was an innovator and he really understood um, human relations principles. And um, those principles he put he uh, laid out how to win friends are, are just really enduring. In fact, our company is really built around um, not just how to win friends and influence people, but it's about relationship and confidence and public speaking and so forth. And, um, you know, from Dale Carnegie, who founded our company 108 years ago, you know, we have 80, we're in 86 countries, 200 operations, and we train in over 30 languages. So a lot of that has really connected to and been built from uh, how to win friends. And so maybe describe to our audience, where were you when you picked up this book? Yeah, so it's interesting. My dad um, was always about um, personal growth and he had that that kind of philosophy. So where was I? I was, I'm thinking about 14 or 15 years old when he handed me a a copy, a paperback copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People and said, um, you know, you really ought to read this book. And, um, and I, and I remember, you know, it's great to get those kinds of suggestions from your, your dad. Dad's probably get a lot of different recommendations, but I remember reading the book and, and thinking it was a really great book. Um, and, you know, hearing about knowing that there was a Dale Carnegie course. So, um, I really didn't get deeply into the book until I took the course, which was, I was about 27 years old. I was a young lawyer. And I took a Dale Carnegie course and they gave us the book. And I really just, it, it was, uh, that program changed my career tra- trajectory. I was a lawyer. Um, I'd always had the vision of, you know, being a lawyer, joining a big firm, which I did. And, um, you know, part of what the program did was challenge me around my vision. And, um, and I really realized that while I was 
I think a good lawyer, I wasn't necessarily a happy lawyer. So taking that program and then really digging into the principles of the book, um, I left the practice of law ultimately and started my own business. So the, the Dale Carnegie book and course and program has had a huge impact on my life. Interesting. So I guess when I was going through the book, I got on audio and I'm listening to it. When you think self-help book, you think kind of like habit change and, and you know th- things similar around that. But I, th- I feel like this book was more about just like helping others and serving others mm-hmm. and how to do that. And I felt that was, that was really inspiring and, and big help. And again, I'm not finished through the book yet. But when you say, uh, help me f- align my vision, I was an unhappy lawyer. What about self-identity in this book brought the best out of you? So there, there were a couple different things. I think as a young lawyer, um, I'm not going to say that a young lawyer might be a little arrogant, um, may not be able to get along with people as well as they think. Um, but it really, um, you know, such a big part of the book and the program is about trying to see things from the other person's point of view and trying to respect other people and listen to other people and um, you know, let the other person do a great deal of talking. So it gave me a greater sense of others and the importance of building relationships. Um, and and so, so coming out of the program and then basically the book, looking at, I, I read the book every single day for years. Hmm. Um, I'd read a single chapter and I'd focus on that chapter and I would practice, you know, whatever the principle was. Don't criticize, condemn, and complain. Okay, so this week I'm focusing on not going to criticize, condemn, and complain. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give honest and sincere appreciation and whatever it was, I would work on that every day. And so the principles, when I, you know, really gave me um, a greater sense of self-awareness, they also gave me a greater ability to interact with people in in a more positive way. And so, um, if I really got, um, very effective at building good relationships and having better, greater uh, influence and becoming a leader. And, uh, and so much of that came from the Dale Carnegie program. Uh, you mentioned uh, the course is now obviously talking about principles of the book, which you just alluded to. Eight million people, 90 countries, 30 different languages. What do you, why do you think this book is so impactful and what do you think impact is? So it's a great question, Kevin. And, you know, the impact I mean, I've seen the impact firsthand. Um, a lot of times I travel around the world and people will come up to me and they'll say, well, you know, this, this program, you know, changed my life. And it might be in a way like, um, you know, when I was in Thailand uh, earlier, about uh, six months ago, I was talking to a man who, who had gotten to a certain point of his career and he could not get any further. And then he took a Dale Carnegie program and part of it, it, his he realized that he needed to really work more effectively with other people. So it, it kind of helped him relate to people and, and work with people in a more effective way. On a personal level, the number of people who said, you know, the Dale Carnegie book helped me change my, my improve my marriage. My marriage is going in the wrong way or I'm a better relationship with my kids. You know, so I think it's funny because a lot of the, the principles are common sense kinds of things. We often say they're not common practice and sometimes they're hard. You know, the heart. I've got um, six kids, including four teenagers right now. And, um, you know, principle number one is don't criticize, condemn and complain, uh, which is not always easy. But um, I find that um, there's different ways to handle a situation with them th- that are more productive than just coming out and saying, 
look at your room. Your room's a mess again. How do we talk about this? Okay, well, wait a second. You know, how, how can I approach this in a way um, that will you know, demonstrate respect or empathy, but still try to get the results? You know what I mean? So, so that's a lot of what, what the, the principles really are about and the book is about is um, it's, it's having respect for other people. It's building relationship and it's achieving better things. Well, just as go on that point about you know your kids, you know the next generation uh, coming in. It, that's why I think this book is so great. It's been able to last so long. Is it? You know, it's it's still a, a, you know imperative today. It still it still resonates today with with the millennial audience, the Gen Z audience. Um, what have you seen from your own kids, from young young leaders in your organizations? How the book has been interpreted to them and. Is it a challenge uh, in today's day and age to, um, I guess, relate to millennials and the, the, the other? It's audience? funny because I, I sometimes think to myself that when I go back and look at some of the stories or I hear about, you know, John Rockefeller or some of these 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 people from the past that that younger people might not relate, but they do because I think the stories are timeless. Some of the language, you know, maybe it's not language that we use today, but um, but the stories relate. And, um, you know, I, I was just in a Dale Carnegie program where everyone was under 30, pretty much. And, um, you know, people came out of that just just powerfully impacted by the experience. Um, you know, again, because part of being an adult or even a, a young adult, a teen, is about having self-awareness and really kind of coming to our own occlusion, conclusions. Right? It's not telling you you have to do this. But when someone reads a story. And, and um, they, they, they see something in their life like, oh, my gosh, you know, I just realized I really don't listen to people. I really do dominate a conversation. I'm that guy in the story that talked all, all, you know, all night and, and, and bored everybody. So, so I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person. So, so the book is about it's, it's not just about ideas. It's, about, it's a practical guide to, to living and to trying different principles. And, and Dale Carnegie encouraged people to do that. We do that in our courses. So when people try to apply the principles, um, they, ex- they have these experiences. Um, one of the things we do in, in our, our programs is we challenge people to, you know, in the next week, practice one of these principles and come back and talk about it. And those talks are always just really cool. Um, you know, good. Well, I was just going to say, well, it's nice that, you know, you're challenging the people in these courses, but I want to go back to what you were also saying about, being the young lawyer, uh, the the man in Thailand who was stuck in a career, what are some of the challenges that people come to the course and what are they facing? People come with, you know, they're all different you know, stages of their lives. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a young adult and sometimes it's someone who's, who's older. And um, I think the situations are, are varied. Younger people are invariably trying to figure out how to how do I advance my career and, and in advancing in their career is really how do I work more effectively with other people and and how do I build relationship and um, someone who's older might have have the same kind of thing like geez you know I've got this person who reports to me now and this is just not working and I'm worried I'm going to lose this person so you know it's just it's there are different kinds of situations I think as varied as the as, as the people who, who come to them and we're just gonna pause here really quick folks because do I have a story for you it involves eating cookies and giving back and if you like the sound of that you my friends have to learn about my new sponsor none believable they're a direct-to-consumer baked goods company on a mission to donate 1 million meals to the food insecure 
by 2022. Here's how it works. When you or your corporation or a friend orders a box, it's gonna show up at your house, at your door, nicely packed, and then they are going to donate two meals to soup kitchens across America. Okay, folks, another thing you need to know is that you, lucky listener, today are receiving 25% off. You gotta try these cookies, they're amazing. This one right here is the, du the double chocolate chip. I've already gone through the peanut butter today. Delicious. Again, folks, real-leaders.com slash podcast. Enter in code REALLEADERS, that's all caps in one word, REALLEADERS, and you, my friends, are going to have a box like this. Show up at your door. It's going to be 25% off, and you're also going to be donating two meals to someone in need. So be a smart cookie and build sweet relationships with the unbelievable cookie. Enjoy. Interesting. And for you personally, for your own journey, from working with these people, how have these people impacted you? And is there something that you can break down for our audience that's been an effective tool that you've been able to use? Other than the book itself, I guess. Yeah, so so how how has um, have the stories affected me? I mean, um, I have the unique opportunity to travel all over the world and to meet people. And to meet people, you, some people have taken our program, some have not. I was in uh, Beijing a year ago uh, in March, and I had a chance to meet a number of young people. And, um, you know, and so, so I'm talking to these, there's 12, 14, 15, 16 years old. And they talked about, my gosh, I was so shy. I was having these challenges. I, I had a very limited vision for myself and I took this program and, and I came out of it. And, and, and now I've got confidence and I, I'm going to, I'm going to apply to UCLA. I'm going to, I'm going to be a doctor. And I'm gonna, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. So, so the experience that I have in talking to people is often, um, it's just profoundly humbling. Um, I mean, I, there have been times I've almost just been emotional um, as I as I hear some of these people. But I think the key the key takeaway I would have in terms of tools is this, and and it, it really is. And Dale Carnegie talked about this: knowledge isn't power, right? It's it's knowledge that we apply is powerful. And so, um, a big part of what we teach and what he taught was around um, being intentional and taking action. Right. Being bold. So, um, you know, so so the, the tool starts with intentionality. It starts with decision. It says, OK, Kevin, you know, so, so you know, what, what's your what's your future look like five, 10 years from now? What, what's really going to excite you? What pulls you forward? What, com what commitments can you make today? And then, you know, what are um, the, the, the things that we can teach you that will help you make those things real? How do we make those visions come to life? And, um, and so part of a program might be around defining a vision. Part of um, a program is also equipping people with the specific tools to get there. Um, and those tools are usually around things like um, self-confidence. Many people are struggling with, you know, am I, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm male, I'm female, I'm this, I'm whatever, I can't do this. And, and how do you help someone build confidence or, um, you know, interactions. I mean, who's that person in my life that I'm just not getting along with? Every time I see them walking up the, down the hall, it's like, oh gosh, not again. Well, what if I could turn that relationship into one that is is positive? And, and there are lots of examples of where those things happen or communication. So often, 
you know, we interact with each other and people are nervous. They're afraid to present. They're afraid to stand up. They got to give a speech or they've got to interact with people. So, so those are some of the practical kinds of tools that, 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 you know, we talk about that all kind of came from, uh, from, from Dale Carnegie and, and what he thought was important. Well, I'm going to draw a parallel here. And Joe, I don't know if you knew this, but like we focus on a lot of impact companies and like how we consider them impact companies are companies that intentionally, going back to your intention, intentionally take on an environmental or social problem. And as they scale, they create more impact. They transform more lives through them. Um, so whether you're someone who is reducing greenhouse gas emissions through reducing the supply chain of cashews in Tanzania, or you run a janitorial service who is uh, focusing on uh, hiring people in um, lower socioeconomic places around the United States, those are just different ways that you can intentionally take on a problem. And that leadership, that intention, like manifests throughout the company, allegedly from what I'm hearing from the, the leaders of these organizations. The impact that they've had is incredible. However, when you ask them, how do you measure something like this? It's very difficult to do. Now, we know culture eats strategy for breakfast. So how do you, Joe, measure the, the, I guess the status or the effectiveness of a good leader? It's a great question. Um, I, th- I think there's a number of things. So, so part of the question is what is a great leader, right? And then how do we measure great leadership? And, you know, part of how I see a great leader is someone who can, you know, bring the best out in other people to achieve great things together, right? And um, one of my mentors is a man named Alan Mulally. Alan Mulally is the former CEO of Ford Motor Company and also Boeing. And he, I mean, he, he took over Ford in 2006 as the company was just on its way out of, out of business. And he came into a toxic culture and just completely turned it around. And, and part of what, what you know, he's, we, he and I have talked about, and again, I see him as really, is probably one of the greatest leaders of, of all time. Um, you know, but, but he, his whole view is working together. And, and that's my view also, which is, you know, we, we, we need to work together. There's only so many things we can accomplish by ourselves. When we work together, we can accomplish great things. Now, working together, what's the culture that we're creating? And, and so a great leader is someone who's going to create a positive culture. Um, and that positive culture will lead to great, great things. So then what are we measuring? Um, to some degree, we're measuring the results that we set out to achieve. Did we achieve those things or not? Um, if a leader creates a culture where people are happy, but there are no results, that's not necessarily success. If a person, if a leader creates great results, but people are really unhappy, that's also not success. So, so great things come together when, when a leader can help bring out the best in other people and they can achieve great things together. And so then from a measurement standpoint, I mean, there, there are, you know, whatever the targets, the applicable targets may be, if it's a sports team, I mean, there, there's certain things that you're going to look at. If, you're, if it's a business, there's certain financial and other kinds of metrics that we're going to look at. But I, I also think that looking at cultural kinds of metrics, things like um, engagement surveys are important. Um, you know, uh, the kinds of, of, of you know, interactions that people will have internally in terms of town halls, things like that. So, so there's different things that, um, that we can look at to measure in terms of just how people are doing. And you, you also look at those in conjunction with the results you're trying to achieve. I like the engagement aspect of this. Engagement, like I feel like 
I think it was like 60% of people aren't happy with their jobs. Like 80% of people are either actively seeking or open to new job opportunities. Fascinating number. A lot of people haven't, like you said, self-actualized, realized their their um, their purpose, their career, and align that with their their skills as well. So engagement, a leader creates good engaged workers. In theory, Joe, could I measure engagement by salary wages, by uh, getting a promotion or a wage? Meaning, if an engaged worker is leading to better business, more sales, bringing into the company. Um, you would give them a raise. They're engaged in their work. Obviously, they love what they do. Um, so, are, are we is are we able to measure engagement through salary wages as well as should we be raising the wage, <laughs> the minimum wage of our country, or raising the engagement rates? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I, I haven't personally thought about it in terms of uh, salary as a measure. I have thought about it in terms of um, retention. Um, and certainly looking at, um, you know, how a company is doing relative to retaining its, its, uh, its workers and the workers that, that are, are really uh, making the most difference and also looking at mobility of the people and so forth. And, and um, I mean, so, so I, someone probably could come up with a measure around a salary that's, that, that's not a metric I've personally uh, thought about in the past. Okay. Okay. So you would say retention and that, that's obviously, I mean, that, that's, that's one example. Um, you know, you could look at other things, you know, when it comes to, to, to new hires, are there, you know, do existing employees recommend, are you, are you getting re- uh, referrals from people who work for the company? Um, you know, uh, what are the kinds of things that people will say, you know, outside of the business. And certainly there are social platforms where, where people will, will say things and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not good. I mean, I, I think there, there's some value to those, um, you know, but, you know, the things that we're typically looking at are, um, you know, you know, we'll do an annual survey and then we do quarterly pulse surveys. Um, we also do t- monthly uh, all team meetings we also and, and uh, we'll do regular town hall meetings and just you know trying to understand what the vibe is. We'll do skip level meetings and making sure that that we're talking to people throughout the organization. Um, you know, a lot of those kinds of things that go to some of the some of the cultural aspects. But you know, we have a weekly meeting called a business plan review meeting where we're as a leadership team we go through all the key metrics of the business, and all employees are invited to that meeting. Um, you know, so, so they could they, you know, just what's, what's happening We're you know, we want everyone in the company to know the plan, to know where we are on the plan and areas that need special attention. And that's also a system going back to Alan that, um, he had developed and used at uh, Boeing and Ford and we use here at Dale Carnegie. So, um, it's been very valuable. Um, how do we create a, a level of transparency? So can you measure engagement to some extent by just whether people, are aware of what's happening, whether they know what's happening, you know. So there's a lot of different things that that, that go into it. Um, so Alan was the first guest on your episode. Is that right? He was. I think I was listening to that the other day. Now, what has podcasting taught you? I mean, uh, is this something you always want to do? Is this something that your your you know your board said, hey, we need you to get on the show and do a podcast, make sure we get more media out there. What drew you to start a podcast and what have you learned from it since? So it's funny, I, probably you and I are, are very similar in the sense that I've always been intrigued by great leaders and something I've wanted to do for a long time 
is to um, to go out and actively interview um, people who have achieved great things, and frankly, just to listen and to learn from them. And um, you know, again, something I, I got from my dad, which is, you know, you really don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can learn a lot from from another wise person and then implement that yourself. So, um, so, so that's part of it. And I also think, as as, as Dale Carnegie, uh, it is important for us to have a platform or a global company that talks about leadership. So, who are the people that we see as great leaders, and how do we highlight their successes? Um, to to other people, I, I've had, you know, my daughter. One of my daughters is is twenty years old, and um, she has listened to the podcast of Alan Mulally three times. She didn't know who Alan was before, and she didn't even know her dad was doing a podcast. But you know, she she heard about it and then went on and listened to it, and you know, and that's had a huge impact on her. She's talked about just different things that she's learned from him. And about 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 service and things he talked about, you know, that were influential and so forth. And so it's it's cool for me um, to be able to create a platform where we're interviewing great leaders, where other people can learn from it, can apply things from it. And um, and I, I'm the biggest beneficiary of the whole thing is just being able to sit and to and to listen and to learn from great people too. Joe, you said intrinsically. I've always had a knack for interviewing people. Is leadership something that's innate? Or learned, or a little bit of both, maybe. That's the uh, the, the a classic question, right? Is um, it's it's a chicken and an egg, or I I, I do believe it's um, it is a little bit of both. There are people who have great um, innate instincts for for leadership. Um, they might be empathetic. They may be intentional or decisive. Um, they may have a good sense of direction. And so, so some people, just like some people, I think, are great athletes. Some people have a, have a natural tendency toward, uh, toward leadership. And I've also seen many people who, who really might not have started with some of those kind of innate, kind of that wiring, so to speak, who have become uh, great leaders. In fact, you know, I, I like to say, Kevin, that, you know, really everyone has a role in leadership. You, I, people down the hall, everyone's got a role. I mean, because leadership really involves relationship and influence and trying to, um, you know, t- to help achieve some result. And whether that is being as a, as a CEO or a manager or a parent or a coach or whatever it is. So, um, so fortunately, we, I've seen people really um, elevate their leadership talent, their potential, and they become just great, great leaders. Joe, can everyone become a leader? I have not met anyone yet who I don't think is, has the potential to become a leader. Mm. I think it really, it depends upon, now some people don't want to be leaders per se. Some people will say, you know what, uh, and, and, and that's okay. It really is, you know, because it goes back to, to who we are, right? Um, Dale Carnegie believed that every person has inherent value. And, and that also means that every person has, you know, should have the right to direct what they do. Um, some people love being in the spotlight. Some people love leading others. And, and some people love just really sitting at their desk, doing their work and, and, and going, and that's okay too. So, but I believe 
that um, I, I believe everyone's got the potential to leadership if they, if they want it and if they're willing to do what it takes to cultivate it. Joe, since 1934, this book has been impacting millions of lives. Um, and as we know, in, in 1934 and, and earlier than that, you know, there seemed to be you know, the Gilded Age and the Industrial Revolution and technology is changing. Now, there is a quote on top of The Economist, some magazine, that says, how are we going, how is business going to grapple with the ever-changing technology? That quote was from the Industrial Revolution. It's the same question people are asking today. How is this book, your organization, helping business leaders adapt to the ever-changing technological world? Um, We are especially doing it right now because, um, you know, we, we are not experts on technology per se. We're not technologists, but we are experts on human dynamics and what's happening in the workplace. And so part of where we've been working with companies around the world is helping them with things like change management and thinking about how do I, if you want to implement, for example, an AI system, you know, and, and, and people have different reactions to that. People might say, oh my gosh, you're going to introduce the system and it's going to take my job and so forth. So is there a way to, you know, be transparent? Is there a way to communicate? Is there a way to um, engage and develop a plan really that brings people along in that process? And that's really what Dale Carnegie wrote about, you know, going back 80 plus years is about influence. How can you have effective influence? How can you be effective with other people in relationships? So the fact that technology is, is changing um, by the way, Kevin, I also think the modes of technology. So, you know, there's there's a generation now, people who have, you know, had technology from pretty much their birth, right? And um, and people are very comfortable with interacting via social media, via cell phones and so forth. And, um, and yet at the end of the day, we're still people communicating with people. And so how do we help people understand how to relate leveraging technology, right? So, I mean, how do I communicate with someone in an effective way, you know, um, through a chat, through social media, through uh, a post I may be making and so mm. forth. But I think sometimes people forget the person behind, um, you know, the technology. And so I think it's also a role that, that we've been able to play uh, in helping people around the world. And what are you seeing, just to stay on that point, what are you seeing uh, for the struggles of business owners who are trying to relate to that millennial or that Gen Z audience? I mean, I'm sure at your dinner table, it's a little bit different nowadays. Um, or if you're watching a TV show, um, there's not uh, an undivided attention. Everyone's either on their separate phones. The attention is somewhere else. So there's less less family gatherings, less family conversations, uh, less of a bond between people. And that's a lot more difficult now for leaders to get that across to people. What are some of the challenges that business owners are coming to you all and saying about re- relating to this millennial group? Yeah, so, so the issue that you've just talked about is one of the biggest ones that we see. And it doesn't matter really even uh, the country or, or the culture. You know, what we're finding is this cross-generational um, you know, interaction, you know, because even the difference in between, you know, five years between someone who's say a, an older millennial and even a younger Gen X, you know, can be significant or a boomer or whatnot, you know, so, so what we're seeing 
is that people often have a difficult time not only understanding each other, but, uh, but because of that, interacting with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Someone can ask you, why are you always on that cell phone? Why can't you put that thing down? Why do you have to have that thing glued to your hand? When someone else is like, you know, why are you a dinosaur? Why, how, do, how do you interact that way? Why are you on the phone? You know, so so um, there's different points of view that people have based upon where they are. And where Dale Carnegie is the bridge, it's really around trying to help people see things honestly from the other person's point of view. And it starts with that, um, you know, empathy for lack of a better word. Um, you know, but if I'm talking to you, Kevin, you know, you, you, you were, you're, raised in a certain way, a certain place, certain, a certain age, but, 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 but you, you know, you're valuable. How do I, how do I honor you in a conversation, right? Rather than criticizing or saying, why are you doing this? Part of what we would teach people is, okay, well, what do you have in common? Where can you start? What can you learn about Kevin? You know, if you learn a little about Kevin, you might be able to appreciate Kevin. And, and, and then, you know, once you have a relationship, once you have trust, you know, then you can interact in a more effective way. But there has to be um, trust as, as a foundation. And trust doesn't happen unless there's any kind of a relationship, right? Because um, it's, it's, it's just it's a requirement. Uh, and, and Joe, I really like that point. And the reason being is I, I truly believe, like I actually truly believe that leadership is everything. If, if things are going to change um, and it's up to those people that are going to do exactly like what you said, understand that everyone inherently has some value um to you i don't want you to define what, what is your definition of a real leader i want you to explain to our audience what you think real leadership is i think you have an acronym for it too don't you well we we have a we've talked about i'll tell you what i think and i'll also tell you what the acronym is okay. you know because i i do think that you know real leadership really is about bringing out the best in people. So they're bringing out their best to achieve great things together. The acronym that we came, we, we did research um, across 14 different countries. And we asked, what are the things that you see in, in leaders that motivate you to give your best or that demotivate you, make you want to not do well or, or leave? And, and we, we put that together into an acronym, which is real. So we, the first thing was reliability. You know, um, People around the world, it didn't matter the country, basically said, I want to I want to work with someone who I can trust and reliability and trust means both, you know, they do what they say they're going to do, but they're also true to who they are. Right. They're not someone we, we can tell when someone's trying to be something that they're not, when they're mm, putting on an yeah. air, when they're fake. It's like, you know, be authentic, do what you say you're going to do. And that's that's the first part of it. The second part of it is, is the E is the, around empathy. And that means that this is, a, this is a leader who's going to listen. They're going to care. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, people want to know that people care. You know, if, if, if you and I are working together, I'm like, gosh, Kevin just doesn't, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't listen to me. He, he, you know, doesn't ask about anything I'm doing. I mean, that can undermine my motivation. On the other hand, and I'm talking about, but, but sincere, Right. I mean, just say, you know, Kevin, how are you doing? What's going on? How are you? And um, the third thing is around the A is aspirational and real leaders. Great leaders are connecting with people um, at, at a higher level than just financial. It might be that they would create a vision for, um, you know, that, that a person can connect to. So, for example, you know, I met a man whose business was about creating 
plastic pallets. Pallets are the things that you put underneath boxes. You see them in Costco and so forth. And he was so excited about um, we're, we're making, you know, recycling plastic. It's better for the environment. That was his message to his employees. We are changing the world. We are reducing for every pallet that we make. Imagine we're saving X number of trees. And as a company, they were making a lot of money too. Okay, which is important because a business has to be profitable. You know, but but for the people who are working there, it wasn't just about we've got to hit our financial targets. It was also about, you know, what's the impact of what we're doing? And if when we're as Dale Carnegie, we think about our purpose, uh, you know, we're a business, we need to be financially successful as well. And we've got the good fortune of also being a business that is about changing people's lives and unlocking greatness and helping teams work together and helping work with some of the greatest companies on, on the planet. But the last part of the, the, the L is R-E-A-L is learn. And the best leaders, leaders are learners. They're adaptive learners. They want, first of all, they'll say, I don't have all the answers and I'd really like to hear, what do you think we should be doing? And if they make a mistake or if they're, they're willing to take other information from people, if they make a mistake, they'll admit the mistake, but it's about adapting. They're learning and adapting. They're not the person who says, I know it all. I got all the answers. Just do what I tell you. Kevin, just, just get back to work. I mean, but it's really someone who's going to, um, to learn from what they're experienced and be able to adapt in, in so those characteristics are, are how we have defined in our research uh, a real real leader. <clears throat> yeah, I like that a lot. And I, I've asked this question many, many times. Every episode I ask it, and there's never a right answer. But I, I like the thought process behind it. Um, I, I want to pick up on one point you were saying about uh, that <clears throat> the philosophical approach to what the impact of the company was doing. A lot of uh, organizations that we have the opportunity to interview are certified B corporations who have that social or environmental mission. And that becomes the vision, almost like an operating system for their their company. It attracts the employees. It re- Back to your thing, retains them a lot longer. Uh, it gives them some t- type of purpose for their work as well. And I think that's an interesting way to integrate the leadership amongst, amongst their, uh, their organization as well. Um, but the first one, reliable authentic what's the cost of inauthenticity boy it's just really um how do you how do you even quantify the cost um where there is inauthenticity there's no trust where there's no trust there's no relationship Um, where there's no relationship i mean it's just it's it's a sterile awful kind of environment those are people who hate their job because they're working with people who just aren't, aren't, you know, aren't authentic. And uh, look, we're, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we're going to, we're going to do something and not follow through or whatever. But, but, um, but for us to continue to try and to say, Hey, look, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize and so forth. Those kind of leaders, those kinds of people who will be authentic and just and own something, um, are going to do better a uh, hundred times out of a hundred times than someone who's not. Joe, let's bring this full circle. You already gave me the acronym for what a real leader is. Now I want you to define your definition of a real leader. Yeah, a real leader is someone who um, who works together to bring out the best in others and achieves great results together. That's it's really about working together and. 
I mean, it's really those two things coming together. I mean, it, it, again, it's it's if it's me doing it by myself, I'm not a great leader. So I've got to be able to inspire and bring out the best in other people. And we've got to be able to work together to achieve great things, whatever the results are that we're trying to achieve. A real leader does uh, both of those things. Uh, Joe, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I uh, learned so much about not only uh, the book, how it's impacted yourselves, but the people in it uh, as well. I think there's so many parallels between the leadership lessons that we've learned today with uh, the other guests that have come on the show as well. So I just want to appreciate your time uh, for coming on the Real Leaders Podcast today. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to Joe's podcast called Take Command. Uh, I listened to episode one with Alan, uh, with the you know, Ford and Boeing, you know, people like that, that I don't get to have on the show all the time. It's a great listen and also helped me uh, with a few of the questions as well. So uh, great podcast. You're natural. I will say that, Joe. It's almost like a, oh, thank a, you. Like a Guy Raz type type style interview. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so Joe, I just want to appreciate you coming back on the Relayers podcast with Joe Hart. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, work together, folks, and always keep it real. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Kevin. Great job.